You are listening to Boku no Stop, an anime podcast that can't read but definitely knows physics. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, and with me is... Matt Marcus. I'm Garrett. And Chris. And today we're talking about Iron-Blooded Orphans, episodes 5 and 6. Uh, I think the only content warning we have today is just off-screen deaths. That's it. It's a pretty chill yeah, episode. I think there's some murders. No discussions of cookware? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Different CW. Last time! Frustrated by the leadership of his organization to see the oncoming paradigm shift, yuck influencer and entrepreneur Orga Itsuka arranges a hostile buyout of the company, renaming it Tekadan and immediately ending the previous management's practices of chattel slavery. He then poaches one of the org's largest clients, a rising star of the Martian independence movement named Kudelia Bernstein, who needs safe passage off-world to Earth. In the process of preparing to launch, Orga and his trusty aide, Mikazuki August, have a chance (laughs) run-in with some regulators sniffing around the industry, Megillus and Galio, which neither party knows is going to set events in motion. There are a lot of choice nouns in here, such as aid, Mikazuki, and influencer who ended chattel slavery. Oh, man, Uh, I just saw that. I told you you'd be mad at me within seconds. Noted, Great to see you. noted see influencer John Brown. <laughs> I always said Twitter. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Twitter X, whatever we want to call it. Episode five, Beyond the Red Sky. In a small office, Orga Biscuit, a flunky, and Mr. Orcus himself all signed the paperwork to help get the Tekadan forces off planet for the first phase of their trip. In a much larger office in space, Coral Conrad is flipping his shit because all of his carefully laid plans are in ruins around him. He's like practicing to be a dead space scare. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, that would that would be cool. This guy sucks. They're going to remake two. We'll need them. Are they? Uh, Oh, man. Dead Space 2 is so good. I did play the one remake, one remake real good. I play a two remake. Unbelievably good. I've yeah. I've not played a single Dead Space. Shoutouts to commercial products, I guess. <laughs> uh, his day turns around, however, because one of his aides tells him that the president of Orcus is on the line with intel about the missing Bernstein girl. Still mourning his commander, Crank, Ein Dalton is frustrated that he was of no use when he's told that what has become of his unit is now to deploy by end of day on Coral's orders. Then the night before uh, launch, Kudelia can't sleep and is one wa- is wandering the Tekadon base. Uh, she spots Mika in a similar state in a watchtower. Uh, Mika asks if they'll be able to see the Earth's moon when they arrive. Apparently, he was told his name means Crescent Moon. Um, Kudelia says that it's a big question mark um, because she heard she's heard that the moon was damaged in the Calamity War. You can't really see it now. Uh, but she's not really sure if that's true. Um, the next morning, uh, Atra shows up with a backpack and a suitcase. Um, she says she's quit the store and asks if she can join Tekadon as a cook. Orga and Miga give the big A-OK before giving a short speech to the men about uh, this being their first big gig. I think also they... This is where they like point out that like uh, Mika's actually eating the space plums. I think they finally name that. Yeah, Mars Palms is what they call it. Aboard the space station, McGillis and, uh, how, how, how did we say this? Galio. 
and Galio have returned to orbit and are discussing Coral's complicity in Kudelia disappearing. He's just come to the pair of them and told them about Tekadon having her in their custody, offering the duo a deal. You get control of the girl and keep her from reaching Earth, and I'll even let you take the credit for solving this. Gilio is surprised McGillis agreed and wonders what his friend is thinking. McGillis says that on paper, this seems great for Coral. The inspector clean up his mess and he's not in the spotlight if the duo get the gold. But McGillis says it's, it's not like the people who have Kudelia in their custody couldn't get quite a lot of leverage over everyone. So Orcus and Coral are both in play for the upcoming action, each man aboard their own ship as everyone prepares. When their call ends, Coral thinks that this whole thing will be sweet when it's finished and he gets the money from Noblis. Aboard a commercial shuttle, Kudelia, Maid, the main Tekadan crew, and Alma all blend it with other passengers and head towards the station where Orcus will ferry them to the next stage. Orga notices that the ship has pulled in early, and the situation escalates as Orcus's ship begins discharging Gjallarhorn mobile suits. A trio surround the shuttle and give the order to surrender Kudelia. Toto tries to radio Orcus, but only reveals that he has betrayed the team in the process. Uh, so, luckily, Orga expected trouble and gives Mika the signal. The shuttle's cargo hatch opens and a mobile suit rifle discharges into a Gallarhorn suit before an axe breaks a second's tether to the shuttle. The Barbados is live, and it's sick. Yeah. Uh, Coral is cool in one of the suits. Content. <laughs> <laughs> content warning, cool robots. That's uh, right. Uh-huh. Uh, Coral is, uh, there's got to be a podcast named that, and I'm. Uh, it just makes me upset, the thought that that's a thing that exists. <laughs> anyway. Uh, content warning, cool robot. Yeah. Uh, Coral is in one of the suits on the periphery, as is Ein. Coral doesn't care about losses as long as they get to the shuttle in the end and shuts down Ayn trying to keep casualties low on McGillis's orders, uh, shouting, uh, who gives the orders around here? Not that Ponce. <laughs> Great word. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Coral is overjoyed. Whatever happens now, he thinks he can sweep it under the rug because McGillis and Gaelio are involved and he charges in rifle out thinking, die for your people, Kudelia. I do have to tell you, just because it came up, there is a series of podcasts that came up when I just searched Cool Robot Podcast, and one of them is simply named Wow Cool Robot with Soup Time as the logo. So, Cool Robot I'm more okay with. It's the content warning part that makes it really bad. Oh, here, let me do CW Cool <laughs> Robot. <laughs> Fuck. Um, still gets me the same show. Reviews with content warning for colonization, which is uh, very relevant. That's incredibly yes, you-tailored search results. Also, it's for iRobot by Isaac Asimov. Oh, that's mm, great. That fits. Uh-huh. I haven't read that in a long time. Deep sigh. Review, two and a half stars. I don't seem to care much for As Isaac Asimov's writing. It was more interesting foundation, which still has plenty of weird-slash-problematic things. That, that must have been a review for the book, because no podcast gets less than five stars. Correct. Moderate <laughs> moderate content warnings for ableism, colonization, misogyny, and sexism. Minor content warning for slavery. Uh-huh. You, 
you could content. <laughs> wait, 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 Chris. Chris excuse Chris, slavery? Chris, are, are we, are we, are we, wait, hold on, hold on. Was it minor content warning for slavery or content warning for well, minor yeah, robots slavery? Robots don't have rights. <laughs> no, it's a minor content warning, which is very funny to me to be minor, minor content warning slavery. <laughs> content, these, these slaves are minors. Uh, just like in this show. That's true. Anywho, as Mika leads the mobile suits away by picking them uh, apart from far. Uh, well, now they are. <laughs> no, they were getting paid before. It's a job. That's why they did it. <laughs> okay, indentured servitude. Only whatever. Akihiro's group was not getting paid. That's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So as Mika leads the mobile suits away by picking them apart from far, Orca sees an opportunity to earn... Uh, Coral's gratitude and begins taking pack shots at the shuttle. Uh, within moments, though, a new ship enters the fray. Um, Akihiro piloting the freshly renamed uh, what is that? Isaribi. Isaribi. Isaribi uh, moves in to play defense, uh, signaling to the passenger craft that he's here to offer a lift. Um, Tekkenon's crew board the Isaribi and Orga begins issuing commands immediately. Um, Toto is to be shoved in a closet somewhere and told nothing. Um, the Isaribi is perfectly capable of returning fire on the Orcus and is going to do so. Uh, meanwhile, over Biscuit's uh, objections um, that they were going to sell that, um, Orga asks Akihiro if he's willing to pilot uh, the other one to help uh, Misaki and the other lad nods uh, ascent. Coral is sick of the obvious faint and charges in his own axe at hand to engage the Barbados 1v1. The older man has more experience in Zero-G than Mika, and things look grim until suddenly, shots from out of nowhere push Coral's suit back as a familiar green graze hucks the Barbados its mace. Uh, Ayn is very upset, both from seeing Tekadan pilot his dead mentor's graze into battle, almost like a trophy, and from watching Mika kill another one of his COs instantly in one shot. Fucking just... My guy just L's all all over the place. Uh, is this the part where like Amika like shoves the the mace into it and it somehow just also is a gun that shoots? Well, it has like the sick. extendo spear tip. Oh, that's what it does. It's sick. Yeah, yeah it's basically cool. like um, a God. I can't think of the term for it right now. Air bolt, like you'd use for putting down cattle. Oh, the thing from that movie. Yeah, that's that's it. I I can't <laughs> think of the term right now, but yes, robot. that's exactly it. No country for old men. Yep, yep. <laughs> if the robot you piloted brought you here. <laughs> <laughs> During the ensuing battle, we learned that Akihiro doesn't have an Alaya Vinjana implant. He's just talented. And to be fair, also piloting the robot designed to be piloted without one. Also true. Mika Big. Mika begins carving up the mook suits one by one with Akihiro in backup, rifle in hand, until a newer, sleeker suit enters the fray. Galio looks over the battlefield, seeing the state of things, and pegging the Barbados as the immediate threat since it's already destroyed four grazes. Hmm, looks like Coral finally got his just desserts, he says gaily. McGillis gives the traditional Gundams only show up at major points in history speech that so many non-UC series do, because, well... We're going to find out that's actually a thing. And upon seeing it, he boards his own suit and joins the fray. 
His description of Mika's combat style is animalistic, and he immediately susses out that the Barbados' pilot has whiskers implanted. Later on, we will actually find out this is very weird for a few reasons, but put a pin in that. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, Isaribi is still in combat with Orcus's cruiser, and so Orga decides that they're going to do something unpredictable. Latch the ship to a nearby mining asteroid, swing off of it, and slingshot themselves out of orbit. Uh, the tricky part is going to be breaking free, because it'll require a mobile worker to shoot the tether free from outside the ship, which is a suicidal task that Orga is instantly up for. Except, uh... Eugene pipes up and says, sit your ass down. Your job here is to keep your butt planted there and look pretty, Commander. That's right, we're going to take several seats. He's learning and growing. <laughs> so he says he'll go out, uh, he being Eugene, says he'll go out and do it partially because he knows he can and partially because he's still pissed off about being kept in the dark for all, about all of the uh, Tekadon business. Orcus misreads the mood, thinking that they're just going to use the asteroid as cover Instead, the Isarabi does a loop, rockets off with the momentum from the spin, and blows past both the Orcus and Galhorn cruisers, a flash bomb covering its ascent. Um, far outside from the rest of the combat, uh, Galio, Mika, and McGillis are still circling each other, with Mika taking damage from the scriptish. Um, the boy sacrifices some arm armor to dodge a fatal blow and loses the suit's foot, um, getting free at the end. Loses the suit's foot getting free at the end. I don't remember that, but it must have happened. Yeah, the tether takes it off. Oh, okay. Got it, got it. Um, in the fray, all three men recognize who the others are via radio frets. The Blue Grays must be the Chocolate Man, is my line of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like nonsense. Mika hops it out of the melee and snatches the fin of the Isaribi to make a less than clean getaway, at which point a wounded Galio and a pissed Mingulus admit that they lost this round. The crew collect themselves and they took zero losses this round, despite Mobile Jeans. Despite <laughs> Mobile Jeans! That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, despite Eugene's mobile worker locking up from the inside and needing to be overridden to open. Meanwhile, on now McGillis's ship, the Gallahorn troops pick up an escape pod from the battlefield. Inside is Toto, beaten to hell, stripped to his boxers with, this looks like one of yours, so you deal with him, written on his chest. McGillis just what? laughs when we close the episode. Why didn't they just kill this motherfucker? Because it's funnier. And so he can come back later. Why, why do we need him to come back later? I'm going to give you a reminder. This is a Mario Kata series. When does she waste characters? That's fair. But like, especially one did... with such a pronounced mustache. I was about to say, like, but it, did it have to be this one? <laughs> Maybe he'll be a mole inside the other organization. No, you because the other motherfucker comes back also. Look, I'm trying not to say that. I'm giving something for the first timer here. I don't know what we're no, talking I'm about. Ta so I'm it's just at the end of that. this episode. The next episode. Who is that motherfucker okay. who kept coming back? What was Tenma's wife's name? Because <laughs> that's wait, the wait, wait, that's on. the vibe for Toto, basically. <laughs> uh, which Tenma? Uh, <laughs> from Monster. He's talking about oh, from oh, Monster. Oh, oh, that one. Is that sorry, like a wife who could just <laughs> guess yes, who's yes. back? Yes, Ava. Was it Ava? Yeah. Yes, it was Ava. Okay. If I got the Ava's music. 
<laughs> but I mean, Blonde like, Ava like, shows up a lot. Like, I I got mildly confused because also there's a there's a Doctor Tedma in Pluto, <laughs> and I'm like, did he had a wife? I don't remember. I mean, at one point he had a kid. That is true. Anyway, that takes us into episode six. As for them, we resume on McGillis and Galio, who, despite being bandaged up, keeps insisting he only took a scratch. And Gallerhorn aren't going to pursue the Isaribi per McGillis's orders. Galio is pissed off, but McGillis says Coral's death has left them a massive mess to clean up, which is still technically their job. Still, thanks to Toto, they know that Kudelia is aboard the ship, and they're going for Earth. We'll see them again soon. Meanwhile, in the hangar, old man Yukinojo and some of the youths are trying to figure out how they're going to repair the Barbados. Not only is it clad in an entirely different enamel than they generally work in, nano-laminate armor, it's also old as balls, being a relic of the Calamity War. And so, we are going to take a small digression, because last episode, we got a brief PowerPoint presentation on a post-Calamity War timeline, and that, combined with what we've learned through this episode, is going to be our topic of this digression. Here is a brief history of events and Calamity War details. In the year PD-01, the Vingolf Declaration is written by Gjallarhorn and signed by the nations of Earth and Mars. This breaks Earth into four economic blocks, the African Union, the Oceanian Federation, the Strategic Alliance Union, or SAU, consisting of most of North and all of South America, and Arbrow, which is Russia, Canada, and Alaska, the most northern nations. In PD-2, the New Earth government dispatches Gjallarhorn to divide up Martian territory into regions under the control of each block and administrate from afar, known as the Malta Conference. PD-3, Gjallarhorn finishes redrawing the borders of Mars, guess what, we're doing a colonialism, mm -hmm. placing the four major cities under control of one power apiece. At this point, the Earth faction and Gjallarhorn rewrite the government and laws of Mars from scratch. 200 years later, the time between PD-205 and 236, various Earth blocks begin granting limited autonomy to their Martian colonies. Unfortunately, all of these territories are still under harsh economic agreements, and so the era of puppet governments begins. And then we come into what is modern to our series. In PD-312, the modern Martian independence movement begins. In PD-314, Kudelia Ina Bernstein gives her first major speech at the Nuwakis July Assembly, calling for economic independence from Earth and beginning the first Mars-wide push for such. And in PD-323, the assassination attempt on Kudelia is made at the base, kicking off our story. I am only highlighting this one because, again, it's wild that even external materials never give an age for Kudelia, and I wonder how much of that has to do with not wanting to make up a years or different on Mars hand wave. That's right. If you jack off to it, you're a criminal. I'll back oh, that. Boy. Uh sure. Sounds good. <laughs> uh anyway. Yuki Nojo mentions that aside from Gallahorn suits, nearly all mobile suits are antiques in this era, with the organization having exclusive control over weapons development as peacekeepers. Um, McGillis mentions only 72 Gundams were made at the end of the Calamity War. And the dual Ahab reactor signature is old and on file, confirming the ID. I didn't write it down, but this means they know it's the Barbados. Got it. Yeah, they did say yeah. that. Yeah. Also, I know they say that's not a lot, but like 
72 Gundams is a lot of Gundams. It's a lot of Gundams. It's quite a few Gundams. They could have sold so many more plastic toys. Yeah, let us have more seasons, we swear. Uh, (laughs) We're getting another movie. For this series? Yeah. 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 Did not know that. Yeah, there was a mobile game that ran that acts as a bridge between the two things. It just shut down and they're converting all the original animation for it. Yeah, it like uh, shut down the second we started to recording this podcast. Rip, I guess. I mean, I kind of love that they're going, this is canonical. We wrote it. We did the work for it. We're going to make sure it's not lost to time. That's just nice. I mean, yeah, that's that is nice. Not going to. Yeah, it'll be there. on a it'll be on a DVD with Iron Blood or Kingdom Hearts one and two. <laughs> I don't even want to think about how many copies of that are in my house. Well, Kingdom Hearts you gotta, you gotta be able to watch yeah. Recoded in any room. Uh, That's what this is. Uh, Recoded makes me mad on a lot of levels. Makes me mad because Jiminy Cricket shows back up. Can't even go a whole Jiminy game Cricket without remembering does the motherfucker suck. is there. Fuck Jiminy Cricket. He's Fuck a cop. Jiminy Cricket and Jiminy <laughs> <laughs> Jiminy Cricket is a Jiminy cop Cricket. official pitch drop. That's right. <laughs> We're renaming our server to Fuck Jiminy Cricket. No, 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 no. Just make that the status of this call. See, channel status. No, that's good idea. Nobody but us can see it. I know. No, that's not true. I mean, Everyone it's true. I, I've seen. Uh, oh, okay. How do you I've even spell Jiminy? Jiminy? Jiminy Cricket does suck. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Liza P rules. It that was a great speed run, actually. I, I enjoyed it. Um, God, I still need to finish the FF5 one. I didn't want to stay up for that. Uh, oh, I can wait. Did you get to that? Hell yeah. Oh, I know. I know what happens. Okay. I want to see it. Oh, God. It, it was wild. I watched I watched it last night. Ass um, clenching. Yes. <laughs> I love to be able to dunk on my friend because he missed the Brood War world record by randomly getting his base nuked in the mission where he had to mine 10,000 minerals. It just cost him an extra like eight minutes. Ouch. That's what you get for uh, being a Brood War runner. That's correct. Uh, anyway, uh, we also learned that another hallmark of the Gundam series was that they were progenitors of the uh, Alaya Vijnana system uh, and put a pit in that. Alma has a conversation with Mika while he eats, talking about how nervous she is every time he goes out to pilot, because, of course, he's at risk of dying. Atra. Atra. Sorry, not Alma. Atra. Atra has a conversation with Mika while he eats. Probably autocorrected. Talking about how nervous she is every time <laughs> he goes out to now. pilot. Uh it makes sense because he's probably there's a good chance he's going to die. So, of course, that would make her nervous. <laughs> love to see her crush in mortal danger on a regular basis. I love that he just comes off as a huge fucking dunk when he's like, don't worry, I got this bracelet, though. From, <laughs> I don't know who gave it to me, me but I like it. struggles of being a child soldier. Thanks. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of the sweetest things we'll see him do. I know, but That's his true. needs is so sarcastic given the circumstances. But does he know? He probably knows. But like, does he know? (laughs) I'm sure he might not know. (laughs) There's a good chance. Um, On the bridge, Orga, Biscuit and the others are trying to figure out their next move. With uh, Orgus's betrayal, they no longer have a guide to Earth. So a risky gamble is decided on. They will contact Tewaz. Tewaz is a conglomerate, in air quotes, um, out of the Jupiter Spear 
and is akin to a mafia syndicate, but would definitely have the connections to try to keep them under the radar to make Earthfall. Um, this is also where we first get the name of Kudelia's maid, uh, Fumitan, was that? Admos? Admos. Admos. Uh, as she hooks up the Isaribi, uh with the encrypted comms on the Galhorn uh, Atmos network of cocoons that radio relay points to get around the casual uh, interference of the reactor radiation and like blah 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 encryption, space talking, etc. etc. Short version, we touched on it a little early in the series but didn't highlight it because we didn't have context then. The Ahab reactors basically put out Gundam-style Minovsky particles, which jam communications and make some tech a thing. But Gjallarhorn's Atmos network are points of satellites and various other comm beacons that are set up through the system to allow Gjallarhorn and Gjallarhorn only to be able to communicate easily between planets. Yeah, and like we've just tapped into that. Battletech, and also like travel is like Battletech style, where they need to be like ferried around and stuff. Oh yeah, that is that is pretty battle talk. I should play that game still. That game's really fucking mm-hmm. good. Mika, Atra, and Kujelia head around delivering lunches to the troops, and in the course of their rounds, there's some chat about the Calamity War. Mika's gonna train with Akihiro and some simulators, and a few small things get added to the Calamity War roundup that we already fucking read to you. Rewind, idiot. Uh, we also get a montage of how Mars came under colonial rule here, including Gallahorn straight up executing politicians in the streets. Fucking comrade Gallahorn, let's go. Uh, <laughs> Udelia also finds out that Mika can't read as well as most of Tekadad, so she decides she's going to spend part of her time teaching them while in transit. She'll like have to schedule it in around her angst of being in an ineffective liberal. Aboard the Gallahorn ship, McGillis talks to Ayn, and he asks him point-blank about what the fuck was Coral up to, and what has he been hiding? In the end, Ayn asks if he could join McGillis's pursuit squad, and the commander tells him he'll consider it. Like, basically, if you can not be a bitch about it, you can come by. Pretty much. Uh, this episode is, if we don't focus on every time there are reading lessons or history lessons that we all summed up into one, pretty quick. There's some chats between a few of the cast in this back half. Orga and Mika give us a reminder that Mikazuki wants to read so he can study about vegetables. He'd like to, you know, do some things with Grandma's farm, try and get any kind of agriculture going on Mars. Space Harvest Moon. Honestly, Space Harvest Moon is sick. You could but call, you have space to call it Space moon, Story Harvest season. Moon. Uh, that's true. I do have to call it Space Story of Seasons. The also, good Harvest Moon would be a fucking great name for a space reading game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Anyway, as the episode closes, there's suddenly a hail from an unseen ship. It's former president of CGS Maruba hailing them to demanding the return of his Will of the Wisp. And with that, we're done. Any thoughts this week? Boy, that was fast. <laughs> yeah, imagine I recording mean... a podcast about two episodes. I didn't take two hours. I know it's wild. Uh, uh, you know what? Wow, cool robot. I mean, this was these these episodes were good. I mean, this you know they're still putting the pieces together. The fight scene was cool. Like we're starting to make progress. Uh, There's not a ton to else to say about it. We're still, um, you know, still having a good time. I love how Crank's grays like has like pink eye when you compare it to every other grays. <laughs> 
Huh. <laughs> just has like a distinctly like irritated looking yellow crusty eye on its face, and all of the other ones are just like, here's a green unit. Gross. Well, that's where the um that's where the nano laminate armor got fucked up. That's why it looks off color. Mm-hmm. There are just also like a million and a half grazes. We do That's have right. to find a way to tell the grazes apart in combat. What is there? According to the wiki, there's eight different graze variants. Is this the one where it gets a horse robot later? Is this the right show? <laughs> it, Wait, what? <laughs> That, no? that sounds too G Gundam. I was going to say, that's a G Gundam. No, yeah, I'm pretty that, sure that's explicitly no, 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 G. No, 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 In one of the... No, like a horse... Like, I'm pretty sure it's Fareed gets a really weird robot later. I'm not seeing I anything. looked at all the Graze variants and I didn't see it, but well, it, yeah, that's not to not say it doesn't exist. Graze variant, you know what I mean? I don't remember. It's one of the Gundams. One of the Gundams get a really weird robot for space battles, which is how I know it's not G Gundam. I just searched IBO horse and nothing came up. The closest it gets is another later spoiler Gundam, and that's because it's named after a horse. So don't go looking, first timers. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, who's got plugs? Who wants to go first? Uh, I guess I will. Uh, listen to other shows on the network. Lightning Strikes Thrice is the uh, the big one. Uh, we are. Well, we just wrapped up coverage of Wolfstride, and we're starting our coverage of uh, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, which is a very weird game. But uh, it's, I will be uh, speaking to the developers of Wolfstride in four days, so look forward to that ooh, probably soon. That too. Uh, that should be. I. I'm. That's going to be a fascinating conversation. Uh, <laughs> uh, beyond that. Um, uh, here, here, here's a, a news update. I am now officially a staff writer at Okazu. I've been promoted. Uh, I really thought you were going to say a stepdad, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> he's How not a stepdad. He's the dad who stepped up. That's right. <laughs> Matt is Piccolo, 2024. <laughs> For my own child? <laughs> Very confused. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so... That's the uh, Yamcha I- of our podcast. <laughs> Oh, rude. That is rude. Definitely not true. There are other Yamchas on the network. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm going to have a couple of reviews coming out uh, on Okazu coming up soon. One for uh, the uh, GL webtoon uh, Kiss It Goodbye. And then uh, How Do We Relationship 10? Volume 10 is coming out on Tuesday. So I'm going to be writing a review for that. So go to uh, okazu.yurikon.com. Uh, there's a filter where you can find uh, staff reviews, and uh, my stuff is in there under my name. So check that out. Matt, I need you to know the staff of Book Off tried to get me out of the damn store while I was trying to find volumes of How Do We Relationship <laughs> the other day. You know what? There's usually only one or two. There's it's not. Yeah, it was volume five. I already own it. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, for whatever reason, they just don't tend to stock that one very much. I don't. I, I, I I'm curious how it sells. Well, the the stock is because that's what gets donated, so it means people aren't oh, selling. Oh, in the back. book off, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's fair. How about you, Chris? Check out Daily Planners. Get a planner. They're cool. Yeah. Shout out to the. Panda I should planner. get a planner. Get a panda planner, Garrett. I recommend it. All right, let me look it up. Yeah, we just had a whole bonus episode on this feed about uh, everyone's 2024 resolutions, so why not? Make that what was yours. It about listener. planners? We did talk about planners and scheduling in that one. 
I might have to listen to it. I've been using it for like a month. Big recommend. Uh, How is it for left-handed people, though? Because I'm a monster. How can you be using it for a month? It's only January 21st. Let me tell you got it for Christmas, duh. You can buy a thing whenever you want. (laughs) What? No way. They don't. Oh, I didn't. These are not annuals. Like they're not. Here's a 2024 plan. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. That's why I was confused. I write what month this calendar is for, and then write the numbers where they go. Yeah, it looks like it looks like you can get them in three, six, and twelve month. Mm -hmm. Okay, at com, Not sponsored. The six month one is big. That's the one I have. That's like the size of a printer paper. Get the three month one. They spread the day over two sheets, so it's half the size. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. And I'm going to recommend uh, Fate Stay Night. Which will be released in English later this year on Steam and Switch, so do not steal it. Thank you very much. It's good shit. Is it? Is it actually? Because, like, I don't... Fate is just too much of a thing for me to want to engage with it. <laughs> the original novel, which is the one I'm doing right now, is actually good because even with the new prologue on the Rialta Nua version, it spoils like one twist that happens on day three. Um, it's pretty good at building up who the cast are and making you paranoid about different characters because this is still, quote, a grail war and everyone is out for everyone else's head. So there's a lot of betrayal. Is this person just a regular student? Who through the town can be trusted? Is this supernatural or is this just comedic effect, etc.? It's good. Mm-hmm. It's great at playing with tone. Cool. I, I might, I might go check that out. Oh, I got, a, I, I got a random other shout out if we're doing that. Uh, shout out to uh, like if you want to buy shit from Japan, you should probably keep an eye on Saruga. Plugging Saruga. random Com. stuff is my bit. Don't steal my bit. <laughs> I, I I just imported uh, uh, both of the uh, Persona Two soundtracks. They do like international uh, shipping for like five dollars for whatever size order, like a few times a year on special weekends. So you could just that saves you so much goddamn money if you want to buy stuff from Japan. But unfortunately, well, you can't buy lewd stuff. So anything R eighteen, they will not ship overseas. For the that's record. what we should oh, do. Oh fuck! What's that? Let's do the Persona 2s. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's why I bought them. <laughs> I bought them because I knew we were the only good someday. Atlas games. Definitely <laughs> wrong there, but we can have that argument on that season. Pretty close. More and more true I, every I, time I, they release a title, Sybil. I, I know we have, a, we have a dedicated listener who would uh, tell you that Digital Devil Saga is the magnum opus. It's very good. I will check GDS it out. GDS is good. Also... I forget, have I done my called shot about Refantasia on this show yet or no? The one that nope. looks bad? I don't think so. Uh, I'm I'm going to just call it now. We are at January 21st, 2024, so this is not coming out of any later spoiler knowledge. Refantasia is definitely going to be a stealth sequel to Persona 3's bad ending. Hmm. That's why the characters look so much like Igis and the protagonist. It's him and the statue dream. Calling it now. Okay. <laughs> I would have been tempted to buy the remaster of 3 if they had the the portable stuff in there cuz I would have replayed it just to do the portable stuff. Doesn't it even like not have the, the lady no. stuff either which No, no. but it shouldn't. They're never yeah. going to reference Fess again. Fess sucks. 
so bad. I I played the I fest know. version, I never, but I just never, I never played completed. The, the, the answer. So I, I yeah, I've never completed away. Persona I Three. I think I've only ever completed Persona Five, which says something about myself. We'll be back in two weeks with episodes seven and eight, and this is where I cut in Yuki Nojo's speech from episode seven. See ya. Peace. Bye. A beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. The known universe is ruled by the Padita Emperor Shadow for my father. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melon. The spice extends life. The spice expands consciousness. The spice is vital to space travel. The Spacing Guild and its navigators, so the spice has mutated over 4,000 years, use the orange spice gas, which gives them the ability to fold space. That is, travel to any part of the universe without moving. Oh, yes, I forgot to tell you, the spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe, a desolate, dry planet with vast deserts. Hidden away within the rocks of these deserts are people known as the Freemen, who have long held a prophecy that a man would come. A messiah who would lead them to true freedom. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune.